Well, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. It's another edition of the Apple Sox podcast. And as I mentioned, probably about a month ago, the last time we posted one, a little bit less frequent in the offseason as they were in the season. But we are happy to have you tuning in with us. I'm Joel Norman, talking to you from Lincoln, Nebraska, and chatting with someone who's actually at least in the Pacific time zone. We're joined by the Apple Sox head coach, uh, Mitch Darlington. Mitch, we were just talking a moment ago, just kind of catching up because it's been probably about a month or so since we last talked at all. And I, you know, I warned you at the end of the season. I said, "Don't worry, you won't hear from me much at all once we get into the off season." No bugging about any uh, any interviews or anything. But uh, for starters, you know, tell the fans a little bit. How's your off season going? Uh, are you enjoying maybe a normal sleep schedule right now? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, the season ended there in uh, mid August, and uh, me and my wife and our son Dash kind of enjoyed just about a week or two of uh, a week or two of. Um, just taking a break and catching up on some sleep and no baseball. And I kind of made a promise to her that I wouldn't start working on next year's roster for a couple of weeks. And I don't know if I lasted 14 days. I think I was about day six or seven and I started making some phone calls. So um, yeah, it's a little more laid back right now, obviously not playing games, but um, just starting to construct next year's team and uh, enjoying doing that. You told me at one point in the season that you almost enjoy making the roster as much as you do coaching. Is that true? Uh, you know, it feels like that is probably a lot of fun of it. Yeah, yeah. I've always enjoyed, um, always enjoyed recruiting, even back to, you know, my junior college coaching experience. I, I love meeting new guys, love connecting with other coaches and other programs. And uh, uh, it's kind of just like a hunt. It's a thrill in itself, you know, trying to land, you know, top level talent and and find good players. And so I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy the recruiting process in general. So I wanted to have you on today to talk about some of our favorite moments from this past season. Obviously it's a, you know, just about a nine month off season. We've got plenty of time to eventually look ahead to uh, 2023, but frankly, myself, I tend to kind of linger in the previous season, at least until the calendar flips to January. So uh, to do that, I kind of wanted us today to talk about our three favorite moments from this 2022 season, what a memorable year it was, whether you were a fan, player, coach like yourself, or even me just watching every game, such a really fun year overall, making the playoffs, coming so close to getting to that West Coast League championship game. So there were a lot of memorable moments, but I want us to kind of pinpoint it to our three favorite moments. So I, I think what we're, the way we're doing this is these moments can be a game itself or something that happened in a game. But let's start off with your third favorite. We'll go from three to one. Uh, give me your, your third favorite moment from this uh, 2022 Apple Sox season. All right. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of hard pinpointing these down to just just three. There's so many bright spots this summer and so many memorable experiences. And um, so it, it was tough to kind of narrow these down. But my third favorite moment um, would have been at Kamloops, uh, regular season game. Um, game two of a three-game series with them. We're down 9 nothing in the uh, second inning. And uh, honestly, the comeback win isn't the only memorable part of this. It's more of just the way our dugout came in. And we just kind of had this rally the troops moment where we kind of circled up and we're like, hey, we are playing on house money right now. We are down 9 nothing. The pressure is on these guys if we can just start putting up a couple numbers. Um, and that's exactly what we did. We answered right back and I think we put up a four or five spot the next inning and um, sure enough, the pressure kind of kept building on their end and we kept just kind of pushing across a run or two an inning. Um, and a guy that had had struggled up to that point and he would admit to this day, you know, he was not having the summer that he 
wanted to have was Jack DeDonato. Um, and we, we threw him in there and he just kept hanging up zero after zero. Um, and our dugout kind of fed off that our team fed off that. Um, and sure enough, we end up being able to come back and I believe we ended up winning at 11 to 10. Um, but that, that was probably one of easily one of my top three favorite moments, um, from this last summer. That was a really crazy game. And I wasn't even there for that one. I, that was one of the three games that I missed. Um, and I'll, I'll tell my side of that story for what I remember from it too. But to give the full context first, that was a game the Apple Sox trailed nine to nothing after two innings. Uh, Cam Luke had scored one in the first inning and then put up an eight spot in the second. But obviously, you guys made it a ball game right away, scoring five runs in the third. You gave up one in the fifth, but that would be it. Uh, one run in the sixth, six runs in the eighth inning. And here's my side of that story that, that I'll tell people. So I was gone at that point. I was up in Seattle actually for that weekend. Our former Apple Sox pitching coach, Tyler Von Drasic, was getting married, and I was up at his wedding. And during his wedding, I was kind of taking a look at how the score of the game was going. I probably spent a little too much time on my phone, frankly, but I couldn't help but really still be seeing how we were doing. And I remember looking at one point and seeing 9-zip, and then I saw 9-5, and I kind of thought, okay, you know, this, this is nice. And then again, this is out, without knowing the full context. I thought, well, this is kind of nice, but... Uh, may not be our night for the Apple Sox. So I turned off my phone. I took a little, I, I got back to our, our hotel and I just took a nap for a little bit. And I woke up and I thought, oh, you know, I want to see how the Apple Sox are doing right now. And by golly, it was uh, 10 to 9, Kamloops leading by one run now in that eighth inning. And I turned the game on just in time to see uh, you guys take the lead. Take me through the, the dugout in that crazy eighth inning. Uh, what, what was the. <laughs> It all just kind of came together at once with a six-run inning. Take me through that one. Yeah, we uh, like I said, we just kind of kept saying, "Hey, we're playing on house money," um, and that, and you know, we had that conversation in the second, third inning. Um, and every inning where we came in and 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 would score or keep it close, throw up a zero, you know, um, we we just kind of kept looking over at their dugout and. Uh, you know, just kind of thinking, man, you know, the pressure's on them. And this was in the midst of a playoff race where Kamloops at that time, I believe, was uh, just a couple games back from us in the three or four spot. Um, you know, we were clawing to stay at 500, get above 500, trying to win the second half. Um, and, and, you know, and then we had a bunch of new guys in that as well. We had like Brooks Rasmussen, who we had picked up on a, you know, kind of a 10-day contract to finish the summer with us, uh, who ended up, you know, throwing and, and being just a huge contribution in that series. And, you know, I can't remember if it was Friday night or that night where he ended up getting the go ahead hit um, and closing it, it out as well. I think it was that game. Yeah. And, and so he ended up getting the go ahead hit. Um, so, you know, hitting for himself on the mound and, and uh, we hadn't even seen a pitch, you know, he's in the dugout. Hey coach, I can throw, let, you know, let me throw. I, I, I was a two way guy at, you know, Columbia basin and, uh, it was just, it just all came together. It was one of those, just everything kind of came together perfect. And uh, it was just a perfect storm to be able to get that one done. Yeah, that was a, a really memorable way to kind of mark yourself to the fans there. Rasmussen hit four and a third scoreless, two hits, six strikeouts. As you mentioned, had the go-ahead hit, picked up the win. Uh, just a little bit of everything. And the funny thing with Rasmussen was he kind of, he only pitched in three games with the Apple Sox in total. Uh, two of them were against Kamloops. The other one, of course, was the playoff game, game one of the North Division Series. Four scoreless, one hit, seven strikeouts on that one. So uh, I remember you and I joked at some point, I think after that night, we went, 
my boy Cam Lips is going to be thinking about him all offseason. <laughs> he had his two best outings against them. But Oh, man, yeah. He, he was such a nice addition <laughs> down the stretch for the Apple Sox. So that's your third favorite moment, being that come-from-behind victory against Cam Loops in that was late July, game two of that series after trailing nine zip after two innings. Let's go to your second favorite moment from this Apple Sox season. What is it, Mitch? Yeah, uh, for number two, I uh, I thought about this one as well, and I, uh, I I I came up with the walk off against Corvallis um, on Saturday night. Again, you know, what, it was one of my favorite moments, but there's so much more context that goes into the moment. Um, you know, the night before that Friday night, I thought we played one of our better games of the summer. Um, you know, led the whole game versus Corvallis. Um, and I, I believe that Friday night game went to extra innings, had a chance to win it. Uh, and had Matt Hall back on second base with, you know, two outs or a guy up to give him a chance to win it. Couldn't get it done, went to extras. Uh, we actually ended up making an error that kind of costed us that would have got us out of an inning. And I remember that drive home just being sick to my stomach thinking, oh, my gosh. And uh, I get a text from CJ Horn that says, he, you know, he, he knows me. He, um, he knows kind of my mindset. I kind of live or die with wins and losses. It, you know, eats at me a little more just being from Wenatchee and really caring, caring about this organization. And he said, the beautiful thing about baseball is there's always another day, coach. Um, and so for us to bounce back that next day, um, and get that win that night, um, was really special to me, um, to get that walk off. That whole series with Corvallis was probably the best baseball I thought of the entire summer. Everything about it was, you know, they were professional moments. I think that happened. I thought it came and I said it to you at the time. I thought like it was such a fun chess match between you and Brooke Knight. And in a way, it was criminal that the Apple Sox didn't get a chance to face Corvallis in the postseason. They, they, had they beaten Bellingham, obviously would have. But I felt like we needed one more game to decide uh, who was better between the two. And that was that was I, I was like you after that Friday game. And just for fans reference, that first game that you're referring to, the seven to five loss, that one came on July 15th. And that one just kind of had a playoff atmosphere the whole night. You could just I remember you kind of we got to the park. Fans kind of started to come in, and I remember just thinking, I was like, something feels a little different right now. There's something about this game, and I think that was what what stuck with me. It was such a bummer that we lost that game because I felt like that was one of our best-played games of the season. And I was like you. I was kind of scratching my head afterwards going like, geez, we, you know, we almost had a perfect game. You know, Ryan Mullen went out. He did what he did. Two runs on, you know, in six innings, four strikeouts. And, it's, and it felt like we kind of emptied the tank that night, and – didn't get the win. And I felt like the next night it was, you know, Corvallis outplayed the Apple Sox for the more, the bulk of it, but they kind of made some mistakes down the stretch and you guys just kind of cashed in. Uh, take me through that a little bit because midway through that game, I didn't really think that was going to be our night. You know, Riley Sinclair was pitching well, but it felt like if he had a mistake, Corvallis capitalized. And that's where it was like, boy, what, what, what are we doing right now? How do we, how do we get past these guys? Take me through how you felt like the momentum of that game, kind of similar to what we talked about with your third favorite moment, kind of how things kind of shifted in the middle of that second game against Corvallis. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the, you know, that's that's the game of baseball in general as well. You know, Friday night, it felt like we outplayed them for the whole game, and then they kind of, you know, just found a way to beat us at the end, and then, you know, flip-flop that, you know, Saturday's game. Um, yeah, like you said, the energy, the energy was really down. I felt like we were just kind of, hung over in a sense from the night before that tough loss, um, you know, kind of carrying that over into the next day. 
Um, and, you know, and I think they had led like three, nothing um, for most of that game, fifth, sixth inning, something like that. Um, we actually got a pretty big spark that night from Reese Leitenberg came in uh, a guy that's typically quiet, not really vocal. Um, and he started, you know, you know, throwing up some zeros and pitching really well. And I remember specifically one inning him just coming off the mound and just getting the guys fired up, you know, fist pumping and, uh, and giving a scream and th that kind of got us going, okay, all right. If Reese is ready to go, then we need to be ready to go. And, um, yeah, that, that, was, that was a great game to be a part of as well. That was a fun one. I think that moment you were referring to when he was pretty fired up, if I remember correctly, I think it was after he got a strikeout in the top of the ninth inning for the final. He struck out Titus Dimitru. Uh, they had, I think they had a runner at first with two outs after a two out walk, but he got the strikeout. He was pretty excited. And like you said, pretty quiet guy, but, uh, the length he was able to give out of the bullpen this year was just, it was so fun to watch what he could do in relief. Five innings in that one, one run, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. Just just a typical Reese Leitenberg relief effort in 2022. He had a couple outings like that in particular where he just kind of went the distance. Uh, he only made a couple of starts, I remember, but boy, some of those outings in relief. That, that one against Corvallis was his second to last game that he pitched in. It was tied for his longest in relief. The other one was kind of a forgettable game when you guys lost to Bellingham June 19th, but he went five scoreless in that one, four and two-thirds scoreless the next game. So we're talking about a guy who three times this, this past summer went four and two-thirds or more in relief and only allowed one run in those three outings doing that. As you were talking about, you guys were kind of trailing midway through that game. It was four to nothing Corvallis after five innings. You get two runs in the fifth. You get two more in the sixth. And then later on, of course, going to the ninth, you have two guys reach before Matt Hallback, that being uh, Corey Gerald with a big walk, and then Joey Jiro Oyama with another walk. Pitching change, kind of killing a little bit of time, probably giving Matt the bat a little bit more time to think about his big at-bat. But did you really think that, you know, he's coming up to the plate, two on, no outs, tie game, bottom of the ninth, or were you kind of already thinking, we got this one? No, I mean I – you know, I, I felt really confident with Matt coming up. You know, he he's was probably one of our most consistent hitters all summer. Um, for me, more of in that situation, I'm already thinking about the different scenarios. Okay, if a ball, you know, stays in the infield, the guy dives, do I send Corey? Okay, if it's a bloop, obviously sending Corey. I'm, I'm running through all the different things in my head on where this ball gets hit and what I'm going to do with Corey. And then eventually I just kind of thought, if this ball gets put in play anywhere, I'm probably going to try to send him home just to see if we can win this thing. Um, but no, felt really confident about Matt coming in, was really happy to have him up. And uh, he ended up really squaring up a baseball right at the second baseman that just was an absolute missile that ended up in the outfield to win it for us. So It was the first pitch of that at bat. He just jumped right on the new reliever, Nathan DeShriver. And I, my first thought was with where he hit it, I was going, oh, shoot, you know, he hit it right at him, you know, that's probably going to be at least one out instead, obviously, no outs in the game ended. I was kind of, as that was happening, I was kind of in disbelief of that moment just because of how I thought, wow, we won this game. And I, I didn't think that was a game we were going to be able to win with how it went. But that was, that was such a cool moment, a, a nice memory, too. Obviously, it would have been nice to have won this series. Three great games with Corvallis, but a, a very memorable moment. That kind of let me know that. And that was huge because it snapped that. I think it was the 11-game losing streak to Corvallis, which is just crazy to think about. That went all the way back to 2018. So that was huge. But it also kind of gave me, and I think fans too, the sense that, okay, the Apple Sox aren't playing around right now. They are hot. 
and they are trying to really get to the playoffs. So that's moment number two for you. What is your favorite moment now from the 2022 regular season? Drum roll, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my number one favorite moment from the summer, uh, you know, and it wasn't like it was the most exciting game. It was just finally uh, the night against Walla Walla that Friday night where we clinched a playoff spot. Um, going into the season, you know, that was kind of our goal. And we had talked about it all summer and said, hey, we want to get this team. We were going to get Apple Sox baseball back into the playoffs. There's no reason we shouldn't be in here. We expect to get this team in. Um, and so to do it that night um, and just to see everyone, you know, the look on everybody's face and the, just the, the joy of our team and how excited we were that we were going to go to the postseason. Um it was awesome. I'll never forget, you know, CJ and Xander dumping the gate, dumping the water Gatorade bath on me. And, um, you know, hopefully the next time we do that, it's because we win a West Coast League championship. You know, we're not celebrating every playoff berth we get. But, um, yeah, that was a special night for sure. Um, and, and I'm going to remember that one for a long time. Second time in the last three years, the Apple Sox made the playoffs. Um, I think – it's interesting when you look at, I know you talk about you saying, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd rather save the celebrating in a way for a championship. I think it said a lot about our team that they were that excited about and that it meant enough to them that they made the playoffs because we talk about this every year. Guys are kind of, they're ready to go home a lot of years in August and understandably it's getting really hot. They've been away from home for a while, but those guys at that point, the guys who were left wanted to keep playing. And I thought that was such a cool moment. There's a lot to break down from that game, and spoiler alert, it's one of my top moments as well. But the one thing I wanted to ask you about before anything else, and this was something I think you told me like the week after it happened. So uh, one of the core moments in that game was Grant Sherry getting removed in the ninth inning of it. Now, I think everyone, myself included, really thought legitimately we really believe that you were like taking grant out this was a nice way you know hey this is his last game he's booking it across the country here pretty soon so he's got to get going for school coming up everyone thought you were doing like a nice gesture you know hey we're giving him the chance to wave to the fans the hero's goodbye basically and uh, jack didonato in as the new first baseman for i think it was there was with a couple of outs in the ninth inning now you you told me like a week after that was not meant to be what it turned out being because you were just trying to get Jack enough gauge so that he was eligible for the postseason. Correct. Explain that whole story. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, it was Grant's last night. Uh, Jack Donato. for, for people that don't know who are listening, uh, you know, you got to have five appearances in regular season games in West coast league play to be able to, you know, to be able to be eligible for the playoffs. So Jack, up to that point, you know, he had pitched in a couple non-league games, but he'd only thrown in, you know, three or four uh, West Coast League games. So we were kind of that last weekend really penciling out, hey, we got to get these guys appearances, Um, you know, and for a pitcher, it doesn't have to be on the mound. You know, you can go substitute defensively. You can go stand in there for an at-bat. And so going into the ninth, we had a pretty sizable lead. And I said, hey, Jack. You know, he, he played first base in high school. I said, we're, you know, when we get a couple outs, I'll let you get the last out at first base. We need you to get an appearance. So two outs in the ninth, you know, we basically sub them in. And uh, I think everyone thought, like you were, had said, it was a curtain call for uh, for Grant Sherrod. When in reality, I was just trying to get Jack uh, Jack another appearance. But it ended up being a nice gesture for uh, Grant. And he enjoyed it. And he, uh, he might have lived up that moment a little too much. And, uh you know, the hugs and the standing O from everybody. So 
it was good. It worked out it, it, like I did not plan. Let's just say that. It was hilarious because, I, again, I think we all thought it was planned or it caught him by surprise because of how he reacted. Grant starts, you know, he's dapping up all of his teammates, points to Adam Fossil out in the center field, and, it's, and you're going like, oh, this is really cool. This is what baseball is all about. And and then, you know, a week later you tell me, yeah, that that's that's not what I was going for. This is not a hero's goodbye. This is not a curtain call. This was strictly business. <laughs> he just yeah. thought it was what everyone else thought it was. So, <laughs> yeah. That'll be a that'll be a whole separate memory in itself. Remembering that night, that's that's funny you bring that up. That was a really fun evening in general. We we had just gotten back from the road. I'm trying to remember who we had just played right before that. I'm looking at the schedule yeah, right now. At Yakima. That's right, and that was a frustrating series because I I think I think everyone kind of went home thinking we can get two or three against them, and Yakima was hot, and obviously that continued with them getting into the postseason. But I think. The, the mindset it sure seemed like to me was we could, we win two or three games at Yakima. We probably clinch a spot while we're there and we potentially knock them out of a postseason berth, which would have been telling because it turned out to be a really, really impressive team on their end uh, that would end up making a playoff berth. But it just didn't work out. The 11 to 10 loss in extra innings and one of the longer games I can ever remember, that was on August 2nd. That was after a great night before, but a 12 inning loss when – you know, Jake Putnam probably had his, or beg your pardon, yeah, Jake Putnam before Lee Souza came in probably had his best outing of the summer that night, and it still wasn't quite enough. Uh, mm-hmm. The next night winning, that was Apple Sox baseball, but then falling five to four despite a great late rally and that series finale, it kind of felt like everyone came home with a sour taste in their mouths. But then what, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, I felt like that completely changed once the game started and people realized, we, we didn't we weren't expecting a packed house tonight but in fact that was what we had there was 1280 fans on hand that night and i sure felt like from up in the press box the energy was palpable all night long did it feel that way on the field oh uh, yeah absolutely like you said the night before you know that whole series a, a little deflating felt like we should have taken about two out of three from them felt like we were the better team um and really wanted to clinch you know, in Yakima and get that done with and then kind of go into the weekend and work our pitching and kind of plan that, uh, you know, didn't work out that way. But Friday night, uh, you know, showing up, NCW Life's there to cover the game. Uh, Wenatchee World had a great article that morning. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, the Wenatchee Apple Sox, the faithful fans were out and and, and ready to see us clinch. And uh, it, it was a great atmosphere. It was a, it was an awesome game, and our our guys were energized, and we're it just kind of felt like, hey, let's just get this done. We're not going to wait till Sunday of this series. Let's let's get this done tonight. That was also the night that fans were handed out those uh, Joe for MVP cards, and boy, just every time he was coming up the bat, that felt like you know well, what it ended up, it ended up being. Felt like, hey, here is the MVP coming up, and people knew that whether it was their first game of the year or they've been watching all season long. Uh, the only thing I remember being disappointed about that night was that he didn't get a hit. He had a couple of walks. Of course, he had a couple of runs, too. But I was just mm-hmm. bummed he didn't get a hit or so, too. I remember that really added to the energy. And I, I think you have to mention Evan Canfield, the effort he gave that night. He had We talked about with Reese Leitenberg earlier. Canfield was a guy who was really better as a reliever than he was as a starter. I mean, incredible numbers either way. But uh, I thought he saved one of his finest, if not his finest outing uh, for his final start of the season five innings of scoreless ball two hits did walk four but struck out five and kind of set the tone for that game I felt yeah absolutely and it, 
one other memory that uh, I'll never forget. Obviously, I only got to pick three, but um, fast forwarding, fast forwarding to Sunday with Joe. Um, you know, we're we're a few outs away from sweeping Walla Walla and getting another win. Uh, you know, we're trying to save our pitching, and we end up, you know, kind of blowing that that game in the ninth inning. Well, sure enough, Joe gets up in the bottom of the ninth, gets on, and for him, it was just poetic to be able to steal, you know, break the West Coast League stolen bags record. Uh, and that was kind of one of those moments where you're just kind of thinking uh, everything works out for a reason. You know, you, you lose a game, you blo- you never want to blow a game in the ninth. Um, but we ended up doing that. And, and for Joe to, to to get that record, I think in the long run, you know, we're not going to remember the one loss to Walla Walla on our record or, you know, my head coaching record, whatever it may be. But, you know, we're going to remember Joe being the, the single base uh, or single season stolen bags record, you know, so. That was really cool. And I guess Walla is an honorable mention for you uh, because, uh, I mean, they were, we could have gone with 10 favorite moments, I think, uh, from this past year. But just to add more detail to that one, that was a game where the Apple Sox, again, final game of the regular season, two days prior on August 5th, they had clinched a postseason berth August 6th with another win. They clinched the second half North Division title, meaning they had home field for the first round. So there was nothing left to clinch that final day. And it kind of worked out really well, as you mentioned. We, we didn't really have to worry too much about it. Lee Souza went out, had a great start, five strikeouts, four innings. Brooks Rasmussen did what he did in relief in his three games, three scoreless, four strikeouts. Uh, Cole Kramer did run to a little bit of trouble, though, because that was a game where uh, we were the Apple Sox were leading until giving up five runs in the ninth inning. It was it right. was it was a four to two game going into the ninth, and then obviously the wheels ended up falling off. But you mentioned it. The only real bright side with blowing that lead was that Joe got another chance to bat. And I think everyone in the park was kind of thinking about it at that point once they realized he was going to bat in the bottom of the inning was may not win the game. It would be cool to win the game, but boy, it'd be even better to get him that. So he batted third um, after it was a one-out single from Stephen Meyer. Joe got a single. And then with runners at first and second, uh, I remember it was a... <laughs> It was a double steal that you called for, and the runners both took off. Steven Meyer probably could have stolen third, even if it was just a straight-up steal there. But instead of the throw going to third, uh, it went to second. And we joked about this a lot after the game, I remember. it was, I believe it was Dean Pettyjohn who was behind the plate at that point. And it was <laughs> he threw through to the second when it's a second and third situation, he had to have known what he was trying to do. He had to know, I've got a chance to prevent this guy from becoming that single-season stolen base leader. <laughs> and it just, what a chaotic situation that was. I always envisioned that moment being, you know, Joe slides in, he's safe, and then we make the announcement, he grabs a base or something, or someone picks him up, and there's a, a picture on the scoreboard. That's how I pictured the moment would go. Instead, the throw was a mile high, goes into center. So Meyer obviously gets up and scores from third. But then Joe gets tangled up with a runner along the way, and he ends up getting out at third. And there was a ton of confusion about what had happened. The Sox got a run, but then that was the second out of the inning. And then everyone realized, oh, wait a sec, he did break the record, though. So uh, take take me through all that for you, because you had talked to me. I think everyone in the park knew you were going to put a double steal on at that point to get Joe a chance. But... Uh, take me through that because that was just absolute chaos defined and epitomized. Yeah, yeah. Well, when Joe got on first, we had runners first and second, um, and Ezra was up to bat. And I'm running through my signs, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give him one pitch, 
you know, let them get in a good, a good count to steal and let them steal third. I don't, I, you know, we don't typically a lot of times run very first pitch. And uh, so I'm going through signs and Ezra steps back in the box. And then I, my, the wheels in my head start turning and I'm thinking, if Ezra for some reason swings and puts this ball in play and rolls into a double player, Joe gets out without a chance to steal a bag. I, I'm never going to live this down. So I <laughs> scream at Ezra to step out of the box. As Ezra steps out of the box, um, I believe you're the one that told me this. It was, it was Jose Oglesby's wife from the stands. And at this point, it's pretty quiet. Yells, double steal, coach. And and I'm looking, almost thinking like, shh, don't say anything. Like now I'm, you know, obviously I'm putting back on a steal sign. Yeah. Uh, sure enough, you know, we end up double stealing that pitch. Ezra knows, you know, I'm not swinging at this pitch. I'm going to let Joe try to get this bag. Um, and like you say, the catcher doesn't throw to third where it's an easier out, uh, tries to throw Joe out at second. And as that ball is going to second, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you unbelievable? But, uh, man, it ended up working out and, uh, I will never forget that one. That was so funny because we, we joked about it afterward too, that the previous record holder for single season stolen bases was Patrick Caulfield a former Walla Walla Sweets player. So it I joked uh, to you, I said, I said, oh, he's trying to defend the Sweets honor here and keep that record <laughs> in their books. Didn't want the Apple Sox taking that one away. And I remember when it was first and second, I almost kind of like was setting up. I was like, it's going to happen here because most likely, you know, you put the double steal on, the throw is going to go to third. That's what's going to mm -hmm. happen. And if they get him at third, that's out number two. But Joe still gets credited with the stolen base. Not as exciting, but... I, I kept thinking, I was like, there's a 90% chance this is going to happen right now in this inning. I didn't expect it to happen in any possible way that it did. Uh, and that was that was so funny. So I'll allow that one then for, for an honorable mention. So let me give my three favorite now uh, as we go through some of these, our three favorite moments from the 2022 Apple Sox season. I don't know if this is one that I enjoyed the day as it happened, but um, I look back on it fondly because – it's a little bit easier to to do now, especially. So, Mitch, let's go back to earlier in the season, June 21st of uh, this past year, 2022. Now, I say the date, you probably think, what, what the heck is on this day? In a moment, you'll probably roll your eyes here because this was the 8-6, 10-inning victory against the Victoria Harbor Cats in the season, uh, the, the first game of the season series. I can provide the details a plenty, but let's start with what you remember from that day because that was the team's first trip to Canada. It was the first game of a six-game road trip, uh, a road trip that involved ferrying and then later flying. It was probably the most chaotic road trip I've ever been on, and the first day obviously uh, certainly set the stage, Mitch. Uh, it provided a little bit of the context, and I'll add to it where we fill in the gaps. Yeah, that – oh, man. I, I... – that one crossed my mind, but honestly, even talking about it, I just it's it makes me cringe. It's you can just see the vein popping right now. One of the worst, one of the worst travel days, uh, not only in baseball but uh, of my life. Um, get on the bus in the morning. We take off for our ferry. Long story short, we end up at the wrong ferry port. We're not even supposed to be on a ferry yet, and uh, we end up loading up on this ferry as me and Joel and. The other coaches are trying to figure out, you know, is this the, the obviously not, it's not the right ferry. We go to the wrong ferry, trying to figure out what's the fastest way now that we've messed up and we're not at the right ferry port. Well, shortest route is to take this ferry. So we take the ferry, 
we get on, okay, we're making phone calls to the Harbor Cats, to their general manager, letting them know, hey, you know, we might be a little late. We were trying to figure out game times, trying to figure out are we going to make it into Canada today. Uh, get all that settled. We finally get into Victoria um, just in time. And we find out our bus is broken down. So we're sitting at a restaurant in Victoria, uh, about 10 minutes from the field. So we, we haven't checked into the hotel. Um, and we have, you know, Garrett Gores, his parents are in Victoria. They're shuttling players to the field. I mean, it was the most JV high school arrival I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, another bus gets called to come pick us up. Um, so as I'm getting to the field, our guys have already pretty much taken BP. You know, they're changing. Uh, I've been we, we've been traveling all day, so I'm putting in my contacts in the dugout, taking off my glasses, trying to put on a uniform. Um, and then, I mean, to keep going from there, I get the one game I got thrown out of this year. I got tossed in the I believe it was second or third inning. Um, and the, you know, this is coming off a six game skid to Bellingham, and so my frustration level is already at an all time high. Um, and, um, you know, in some ways as a manager, you're thinking, I, you know, there's ways to inspire your team and to get things back on track. And that was partially a reason for doing that that day. Um, but for our guys to then come back and find a way to come claw that one out, win that game in extra innings and then kickstart that road trip where we ended up taking four out of six, um, that, that was another, that's a definitely an honorable mention, um, this, I, this will be the last time I talk about it, though, Joel. We're not going to bring this up anymore. Well, that, that's why I wanted to get this one out. We needed to have the evidence of this so that five years from now we can remember the details by listening back to this. So you're right. You mentioned that six-game sweep by Bellingham. That was not great at the time at all. I don't think anyone was enjoying how that went. There were several games there we could have had. We didn't get them. But <laughs> things start off terribly that day. And I'll throw in this about the arriving at the – at the park. You mentioned Garrett Gore's parents came. I think Cole Miller had come up late. He drove up and he was able to pile some guys into his car. And uh, yeah. they were able to go from right from customs to Royal athletic park. And I remember it was the, the starting position players and that day's starting pitcher, which was Riley Sinclair. And that was it. That was all who went to and Marcus Lydon because he was going to throw BP Apple Sox hitting coach. And, so that was it. We had we sent 11 guys to the field in two different cars. Everyone else waited for the other bus. And that was so chaotic. And finally getting over there, and we everyone said, oh, can we leave our stuff on here? And they said, nope, this isn't the bus you're taking. So we had all of our extra gear, extra clothing, suitcases. Again, six-game road trip, too. So you had a lot of stuff with you. We had all that out third base side. I remember it rained later. Fortunately, we got it all covered. And then that third inning happened where – we were leading two to one going into the bottom of the third, gave up three runs, couple of calls, obviously you didn't like, and then you get tossed. And I had a moment. I didn't, I don't think I said it on the broadcast that night, but I had a moment where I thought this is the season right here. Whatever happens tonight is going to determine what kind of team this is going to be. Because if you one, you're going to lose seven in a row and getting tossed would have been for nothing, or you're going to win this game and you're going to turn this into something. And, Thankfully, the latter was what happened because I can't imagine at that point if it had been seven straight losses on that type of day, I don't know how we would have been able to get the you know the train back on the tracks at that point because it would have been seemingly as if it was rock bottom at that point. But to win that evening was just a, a phenomenal way uh, to fix things. Now, the other stuff to note from that game, big crowd, 
1,200 fans on hand for Victoria. There was a lot of excitement and a lot of energy throughout the night. And that was one of those classic Joichiro Oyama games, I remember. He was just a three for six at the plate, two runs, RBI, uh, one stolen base that night. That was kind of right around when you would start to give him that green light, and he was able to kind of start stealing bases more regularly. That was his sixth of the season at that point. But uh, And he would end up going up to get a big hit in that top of the 10th inning. I remember there were two outs. Luke Stuka got a big single to keep the inning going. And then Joey Tro hits that triple to the gap in right center. Stuka scores. And then you're able to get one more run. One batter later ends Apodaca with some insurance with a single of his own. But the other thing to remember was Mason Philly. Uh, that was his first big outing in relief where he went three score. The second, actually. He had the one appearance before that against Springfield where he allowed one earned run. But uh, Philly was back in the bullpen. Three scoreless, hitless, perfect innings. Three strikeouts in there. I, I mean, I don't know if I'll forget that That bottom of the 10th inning where he was able to get that strikeout to ramp it up and you know he shushed the Victoria dugout and obviously there was a little bit more after that but that game had everything and felt like a playoff game and like I said already I felt like because it felt like a playoff game and we won that it was a turning point in the season yeah I think uh you know and that day in general and those kind of moments kind of just kind of embody what that this 2022 season and this team was it seemed like there were so many moments throughout this summer um, where we were just on the verge or it felt like we were teetering and it just felt like things could just, if you know, it just felt like we'd go into days and think this almost feels like a must win game. Like we got to get back to where we should get going. Um, and three or four times we had moments throughout the summer where I felt like that. And to, to this team's credit, every time we got to those tipping point moments, our team responded and then would get hot, went take a series or, you know, climb back into it. And, and so uh, I, I just feel like that just kind of summarizes what this team was really this last summer. And with that, we end any time we ever talk about that day ever again. <laughs> right. But no, a really memorable day all around, good and bad, but nice to get the win in that one. And so that's my third favorite moment. My second already touched on, you touched on this as your favorite moment. For me, it's number two because the, the playoff clinching win against Walla Walla winning 10 to one, on August 5th, a game where, again, Canfield five strong and everyone else kind of pretty much busting out. We had a five-run bond with the third, five-run seventh. The one moment we didn't talk about from there that I loved was the base hit that Grant Sherrod had that bases loaded, hits it like off the fence in right center field, and naturally it's only a single to score two. So <laughs> that was a funny moment. It was, a, it was just a – we talked about Sherrod with that night already. There was a lot of funny stuff with him from that evening that made it – uh, very memorable. So we'll skip ahead to my favorite moment of the season and kind of an easy pick, but I'll go with game two of the North Division series, defeating Kamloops 17 to two. And in a way, I debated between doing the night before because that was another hectic travel situation where we got there, didn't take batting practice. So I'll say game one of the division series is my honorable mention on August 9th, but uh, such a fun, fun night. You, know, you get up there, no BP. Connor Ashworth takes, you know, a perfect game into like, the, I think it was the fifth inning or so of that one and mm -hmm. go on to win the game in front of an absolutely packed house. Credit to Kamloops. Their crowd brought it. It was so cool having an expansion team, having that much energy. And uh, we said it after that series, boy, you know, their future is really strong with the, the fan support and the product that they put on the field this year as well. But uh, game two was about the Apple Sox. Kind of, it, it felt like, after that first inning, it was kind of like, okay, 
I, I think we're in business here, and I think we're, we're on to what's next. Four runs in the bottom of the first inning of game two after giving up one run in the top half, two runs in the second, scored in every inning except for the eighth, including putting seven up in the sixth inning, 17-2 to two victory. Uh, Quincy Vassar came back to the team, and he, obviously it was he was one of a couple of guys who came back and played big dividends for that night. He was shut down for the summer. Take me through that, Mitch, because Quincy was not supposed to be a part of this team from August on, came back to the Apple Sox, and he saved his best for last, I would argue. Eight strikeouts, seven innings, two runs, one earned on six hits, and one walk. How did you get him to come back? Because I think when he took the mound that night, there were a lot of fans who were saying, wait, didn't didn't we already say goodbye to Quincy for the summer? What's he doing back mm-hmm. with the team? Yeah, so Quincy, uh, uh, towards the end of July, his plan was in early August, he was going to head over to Drive Lines facility uh, and train. He wanted to add some velo and kind of shut down the arm as far as innings goes for the summer. Um, and so he headed over there and he had, he had finished up, uh, I think a day before we left for Kamloops. Uh, and knowing Quincy, him being a local guy, I've talked about this a million times, but you know, it means a little more to him um, that we're in the playoffs and he really wanted to be a part of it. And um, so just gave him a phone call and said, Hey, you want the ball for uh, the first uh, home playoff game we got? And, you know, typical Quincy said, I'll be there and I'll find a way to get over there. And so to his credit, he had his car loaded up, ready to head down to Vanguard in California and go back to school, but um, came in through well that night. And uh, I think that was a special moment, uh, not only for us, but for Quincy and his uh, pitching career. That was so cool. So neat to have him back. The pride he had for the Apple Sox all summer was just so fun to watch. You could tell that whether he was on the road or at home, you know, pitching in front of family and friends all the time, you knew it meant a little extra to him. So it was so cool that he had that type of outing uh, for that evening as well. So uh, that's my number one moment. I mean, there's so much else to talk about in it. The home runs, Xander Orohudos hitting one, a guy who he hit one in the regular season. It was a non-league home run though. On August 1st, he heated up really well down the stretch as we were kind of losing guys. And he homered in that game, CJ Horn homered. Brandon Ponce hit probably one of the more obvious no-doubters I've seen in the West Coast League. And Ponce was another guy who we talked about. You were able to kind of bring back. Go through that with me. How would you get Brandon to come back for a game? Yeah, again, Brandon was, you know, Wazoo starts so early with, you know, they're on semesters. And so early August, I think it's like August 10th, they get rolling. Um, And some of those baseball guys had orientation and, um, you know, Ponce had wanted to work a little bit more, trying to save up some money before going to school. And so he had to leave, um, you know, towards the end of July. But the, when he left, he said, hey, if you're in the playoffs, you know, he li- he lives in federal way. He said, give me a call. Uh, I may be able to sneak back over and see if I can play in a playoff game. Um, so we're returning home from Kamloops and uh, just shot shot him a text and said, hey, you want to come suit up tonight and, and play in a playoff game? And of course, you know, typical Brandon said, I'll be there. And so he showed up and ended up finishing the playoff run with us, traveled to Bellingham with us. And uh, and he put on a show that night, fresh fresh off the couch. And he, he had a heck of a night. Four for five, three runs scored, nearly hit a second home run, I think, in his second plate appearance. Two yeah. RBI, the one walk, a phenomenal night for him overall. That The one thing we haven't talked about from that night was the greatest baseball play I've ever seen in person. And that was Joichiro Oyama scoring from second on a sacrifice fly. I, I mean, just saying that, if you're listening, you probably are going, 
what? <laughs> if you if you weren't right. there, let's go through that because not only was that the best play I've ever seen in person, but also I think that put that game away because bottom of the second at the time, you had you had Nino Voltaggio aboard, Joe was aboard as well. Runners at second and third with one out after Orahudos popped out to left. Adam Fossil hits a ball really deep to right center field. It gets caught. But the way it was caught, it looked like the right fielder was set up to make the grab. That was, uh, I believe, Tyrell. Yeah, Tyrell Chadwick was set up to make the grab. He was called off by the center fielder, Ty Sifferman, who had a ton of speed, robbed a lot of would-be hits over the course of the season against us. He came over, made the catch, but made it on the run, and his momentum took him all the way over to the fence. So Voltaggio obviously scored easily from third, but then here comes Joe all the way from second base. Take me through that. Were you planning on sending him home with where that ball went in the park? Yeah, so a lot of times with deep fly balls, um, and we have runners on second, anybody with good speed, um, we like to tell our guys, you know, we don't want to just kind of jog into third. We want to round it. Um, and it's more of for if that outfielder on the relay throw makes a bad relay throw to, you know, a second baseman or a shortstop who's trying to relay the ball in. Um, if you're running full speed and you just kind of naturally can round it a little bit round third base. Um, and then me as a third base coach and I can see, you know, the ball's offline or it's going to short hop him or kick a little bit. We're going to go ahead and try to, you know, advance on that. Well, with Joe, he takes off that ball's caught and the center fielder, he, you know, it takes a, takes him a few extra steps after he catches the ball, he kind of runs into the fence, you know, and I think it caught him by surprise because he turned and threw the ball in like, okay, I made a nice play. I'm getting the ball into my relay guy. And so he kind of throws just a big high lollipop into his relay guy. Well, Joe's almost to third as, as the ball's in the air to the relay guy. And so in my head, I'm just thinking this guy's going to have to make a perfect throw if he does get the ball in. Um, and, and Joe's speed, it's just, it's, it's, it's just next level. It's just, it's just a different speed to be around. Um, and, I, and once he gets up to full speed like that, I just figured, what the heck, let's see if he can round this and see if he can score. And, you know, I mean, you, it's impressive, but to, to his credit, it wasn't even a bang, bang play. I mean, the relay came in and he slid in safe and it was just like, holy smokes. Did, I mean, did he really just do that? Um, and so it, it was impressive to see from the third base box. I remember RJ Watson, Abby, who was a pitcher for the team. He, he shared that video of that run on social media and he said something. I mean, he was like, like Joe Japanese. I remember him saying something in the post saying like, more people in Japan need to see this because this is incredible that one of our guys did this because this is just something you don't see. And I remember yeah. thinking that was so cool that it was, you know, you know, his own teammates are pushing for that saying, you know, this is one of the greatest things we've ever seen. So uh, going back through them real quickly, let's go through our three favorite moments. My third was the win against Victoria, the game that will not be spoken of again, the 10 inning <laughs> victory in late June to snap the six-game losing streak, and then would be the first of what turned out to be four wins on that six-game road trip. And then after that, my second favorite was the playoff clinching victory, the first game of that three-game set against Walla Walla at the beginning of August. And then my final moment, I just mentioned it, of course, was game two of the North Division Series. Mitch, recapping yours real quickly, your three favorite moments for everyone. Yeah, number three was uh, the 9-0 comeback um, at Kamloops. Um, number two was the walk-off against Corvallis on Saturday night. Um, and then the, my number one, was you touched on a little bit, was uh, clinching that playoff spot that Friday night against Walla Walla. 
So yeah. So I'm, I'm curious what fans think. I wonder if we're, there's one that we might have missed. And if if they think of one, say something to us on you know Facebook or Twitter about that once we post this episode. Because I'm curious if there's maybe another moment we didn't think about. Because like we said, I think we could have done a, a top ten, but. I also don't think that would have been as enjoyable to listen to from a podcast perspective. But uh, Mitch, thanks for joining us. I'm going to give you a heads up now. The next time we're going to do a podcast, I've, I've had this planned out for a while. The next time you and I are going to record one together, our talking point will be who is on our Mount Rushmore of Apple Sox players, coaches, anyone, all time. So wow. that is something to think about. I have written my four out. Obviously, I'm not going to give them away right now, but – Something to keep in the back of your head and something to start preparing for as you do a deep dive into Apple Sox history. So uh, prepare for that one in the, at some point here along the way in the coming weeks or months. Sounds great to me. Awesome. Well, Mitch, thank you for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in for this edition of the Apple Sox podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you do not already. I'm Joel Norman, and thank you for tuning in.